You're listening to Father Kirby Longo's Homilies, powered by Mountain Catholic. Father Kirby is a priest of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Helena, the parochial vicar of St. Anne's Parish in Butte, Montana, and chaplain of Butte Central Catholic Schools. Enjoy. I was talking with a young man recently about some of his options for college, and he's he's a good athlete, decent student, so he has plenty of options, both for what sport he wants to play and what school he wanted to go to. And the decision he seemed to be leaning towards was one that I thought was just didn't live up to either of kind of his skill and athleticism or his academic uh, potential. So I just asked him, like, why would you choose that of all your options? Like, why are you choosing this? And he just said, you know, I want to go there because they demand less because it's easier. And I was stunned. I was like... You're making one of the biggest decisions of your life, and your main factor in your decision is what's the easiest possible route. And like the path of least resistance. And and I was kind of shocked by that, but then I thought about it after that conversation and, uh, and the plan that he had for his life, and I realized that we all do that all the time, I think. And, and I know I do that all the time. And I think the majority of people actually live their whole lives with that factor what's the easiest way to get through this as kind of the main discerning factor in the decisions that they make i think he was just brutally honest about it so it's kind of shocking remember i doing this myself actually now that when i thought about it that when i was getting ready to finish undergrad i was coming into my last semester and my kind of spiritual director at the time was monsignor don shea he's like so what's your plan for next year and I said, well, I think I'm going to take next year and I'm going to go out to Seattle and my uncle's going to teach me how to sail. And then I'm going to get a sailboat and sail down the West Coast. Take me about six months to learn to surf. And, and then I'll spend the other six months being a fly fishing guide and a ski bump. And that's what I'm going to do. He's like, well, that sounds like a fun plan. Is, is God calling you to do that or you just want to do it? I said, well, so far, it's just my plan. I just want to do it. He's like, you know, Kirby, I'm getting old. Why don't you give me that year, and I'll do something worthwhile with it. And I was like, all right, point taken. I think maybe I'll discern that, you know. And, and then when I, when I actually prayed about it and asked God what he wanted in my life, I felt called to go to seminary right out of undergrad. And that, that was just me wanting the easiest possible year for myself. I mean, it would have been a blast, but it, I, I mean, it wouldn't have made me happy. That's, that's what it comes down to. I think so many of the most important decisions in our lives are decided not because of the worthiness of the good thing that we're pursuing, but because of like what's the easiest way to keep surviving. Uh, we're so wrapped up in that. You know, like why do, why do so few of us eat healthy? Well, because eating healthy is difficult. And why don't we work out more? Because working out's hard. And I saw the statistic that blew me away that, that fewer than half of the people in the United States read a book last year, a single book, even a short story. Fewer than 50% of people read a short story. And you can accidentally read a short story while like waiting to go to the doctor, you know, and fewer than half of people stumbled upon one last year. And, and that's just an unbelievable statistic for me. But it's not some like malicious conspiracy at the same time. It's just that we've developed an incredible ways to be entertained with, with little to no effort. And so those things that take a little bit more effort are just less likely to happen. It's not like we're got, we've gotten any worse. We've just made up 
more entertaining things that, that take less effort. And, and at the same time, they, they're less satisfying, but we come up with them so rapidly that you can kind of jump from one to the next without ever noticing uh, or, or needing or getting bored long enough to take the time to, to do something more difficult. But today we're not necessarily talking about kind of our, our pastimes, though, though, do, though they do tell us a lot about ourselves, uh, what we do in our free time. We're going to focus in a little bit on work, because John the Baptist is talking to the working man in the gospel today. So, it's obvious we see that John the Baptist did not live a life that consisted of the path of least resistance. He, he lived a life so intense, you know, his abandonment to God was so intense uh, that, that no one had ever seen anything like it from someone who was sane. You know, he, he was out in the desert with a hair shirt and a girdle and eating locusts and honey that he just found laying around. And, and that sort of lifestyle, the conviction that was required there, kind of forced everyone to look at themselves. Uh, and when we, see, when we hear about John the Baptist, we have to look at ourselves and, and wonder, you know, why is he living with such conviction that I don't have? What does this guy have that I don't have? And that's what everyone thought. And so they, the most practical thing to do when you have the opportunity there is to ask him, what should we do? And that's what everyone does. So in the gospel today, the first question is just people generally asking, what should we do with our lives? How do we prepare for for the Christ? And he says, whoever has two two cloaks should share with the person who has none. And whoever has food should do likewise. And so that at first seems utterly practical. You know, if you have two coats, someone doesn't have any, you give them one. Great, great plan, John. But it's more radical than that. He's not saying if you have a ton of stuff, give some to the poor. He's saying if you have two, all you need is one. So give the other one away. Uh, and there's like one point in my life when I was, I was kind of young and zealous, so I was like inspired by this verse, and I had way too many jackets. I've always had an attachment to jackets. There's just so many options, you know. And, and so I gave them all away except one. And I just found opportunities to give them to people. And then, and then a week later, someone stole my jacket. And I had zero jackets. And so I'm like, I'm sitting there with no jackets since winter. And I'm like, thanks, Lord. The one time in my life I've trusted in you and someone steals my jacket and I got nothing. And then, as I'm complaining, within a week of that, someone does that awkward, like, handshake, cash in hand with a, with a wad of cash. It says, I heard someone stole your jacket. Here's some money. Go buy yourself a new one. And so the Lord did provide. He just, he just wanted me for once in my life to actually trust him. Uh, and so when we actually do trust him, then he provides. But, but living the way that John calls us to actually requires that trust. Because when you give away anything beyond the, nece- the necessary, you, you're vulnerable. You actually have to trust in God, uh, especially with food. So he tells us to do it with food and with clothing, two of the most essential things in our lives. And so the tax collectors come and say, what should we do? And he says, stop collecting more than is prescribed. And that seems like a, a, an easy thing to say. Stop being corrupt, basically, is what he's saying. But in the ancient world, tax collectors, you, you know when you read in the Gospels, the tax collectors are hated by everyone. Uh, and, and it's because it's not exactly clear that they had a wage. They might have had a small wage that they took in. But it was expected that their wage would be whatever they could manage to collect on top of what Rome wanted. So Rome wanted a certain amount, a certain percentage. They collect that. 
and then their wage is whatever they can collect on top of that. So they have to like strong arm their neighbors in order to make their own wage, basically. They had to, in a sense, their job sort of required that they be corrupt in order to make a living. And so he's asking them something very radical. He's saying, you, just because your work demands it does not allow you to cheat your brother and sister. Uh, and, that's a, and that's a really difficult thing to ask of someone. So they're, they're kind of faced with a dilemma after he confronts them with that. And then to the soldiers, the same thing. He says, don't, pra- don't practice extortion. Don't falsely accuse anyone and be satisfied with your wages. If you know anything about professional soldiers in the ancient world, that's basically, those are the three things that they spend their days doing. You know, like extortion and false accusation and, and looting are basically the life of a professional soldier in the ancient world. And it's the same with them. They had a small wage, but their wage only, in many places their wages only happen in battle. So they only get a wage during the battle. The rest of the time, it's kind of expected that they'd make a living extorting people and looting. And so he's, he's demanding the same thing of them, saying just because your work kind of justifies this doesn't mean you can do it. And so what does this tell us? He's saying that, that any life can be a life of holiness, but it demands a total transformation in our daily life. You don't have to be John. You don't have to go out in the desert with a hair shirt on and preach the gospel and eat nothing. Your, holiness is available to you right here and now in your daily life. But it often requires great sacrifice and, and, and great heroism, but in very small things. Uh, we, holiness is available to us in the midst of our life, but it, it often requires a totally different worldview. Uh, it, requires, it requires seeing work in a different way. You know, how often do we lie or gossip or behave selfishly and and justify that with sort of necessity at work? Uh, We often have to be selfish to get ahead. Uh, And and is that that justified? Uh, John's saying that it's not. Can we fail to help those in need uh, because we're busy? No. And that's a difficult thing to hear because it often feels like we're pushed along by this necessity. John came to reveal to the first century Galileans just kind of how mediocre their lives were. Uh, and, but, that, but that the way of, to, be, to be a saint is right there in front of them. But it requires an, a heroic charity and a, and a great humility. So how, so how is this good news? You know, he says all these intense things and then, and then says this and many other things as John preached the good news. He says, as they, as they wonder whether he's the Christ, he says, the one who's coming after me will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And his winnowing fan is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and gather the wheat into the barn, but then to burn the chaff with unquenchable fire. You know, it's an ancient image that he gives us, the winnowing fan and the threshing floor. And basically what that is, they had this ancient, well, they had the way that you would process wheat in the ancient world was you'd stack all your wheat up and then you'd just hit it with a stick repeatedly for a long period of time many people would probably be hitting with sticks to kind of get the grain to fall from the, uh, from the stock. And then you'd clear the stocks out and then you'd, you'd grab this winnowing fan and you'd throw it up in the air. And then as you threw it up in the air, the, the shell, which is the chaff of the grain, would kind of float off because it's lighter than the grain itself. 
And so the chaff is this kind of empty shell when, you, when it comes down to it. So the grain separated out, put in buckets, and then you have all these empty shells, and there's, it's no good for anyone, the, the casing for the grain. And so you either throw it away or you burn it. And, and John's telling us here that if we live these sort of mediocre lives, if we continue down the path that we often tread, which is just kind of like going along the path of least resistance, then we are chaff. We're an empty shell. We're, we're worth nothing to the world. We're worth nothing to the kingdom of God. We're just kind of going along with the flow of things. And what do you do with the chaff? You throw it in the fire. And, that, and that's an easy life to live. I think we can get to the end of our lives and, and realize that that's the way we lived. We don't want that to happen. I think there's two things maybe that can help us against that. The first is, of course, prayer. God's the only one who can reveal who we actually are to us without us despairing, I think. If, we, if it's revealed by a friend, it either provokes anger or despair, usually. Um, because we just, it's just hard to hear the ways in which we're falling short from anyone here. God can reveal it, though, in a way that's going to bring great hope for the future. So we need to pray. Otherwise, all of this is worthless. But the second thing, I think we need, we all need a sort of John the Baptist in our lives. We all need someone who can hold us accountable. Someone to whom we present ourselves uh, in vulnerability. So, you know, I think we all think of confession initially when we think of that. And that's good because confession is the way in which we kind of bear our soul to God. But I, as a priest, cannot, nor will I, ever follow up. You know, I can't, I can't follow up afterwards and ask you, how that's, how's that going? Because uh, there's a seal of confession. So you have to have someone in your life who, who you trust, who can hold you accountable to exactly that. Uh, to to keep, make sure you're not taking that path of least resistance. I think I might have been the first person to ever tell that young man who I spoke of that that, that was not a worthy life that that life was never going to make him happy. And I think I, I, think I was because he was surprised to hear it. Uh, to hear that the path of least resistance isn't the best way to go. And so I think we, we will all naturally tend that way if we don't have someone who can, who can push us to greatness, who can push us to live the life that we're called to live. So who's the John the Baptist in your life who can kind of speak into those places? I think for today, just let the actual words of John sink in. You know, that the Holy Spirit and the fire of Christ who in his incarnation kind of compel us uh, to examine ourselves and maybe move forward into, into more heroic uh, actions in our daily life. For Christ is coming, he has already come, and he will come again.